Welcome to the Be Great Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the eight-man football coaching community. Here we discuss scheme, program building, program culture, and building and spreading the eight-man football game. This episode is brought to you by Team Builder. I use Team Builder myself and can personally vouch for the power of this software in the weight room. Their platform allows you to easily build programs for your whole team while individualizing workouts based on athletes' needs. Team Builder is offering a 52-week football strength and conditioning program that comes with their 14-day free trial when you sign up with code BGREAT, B-G-R-8. Not only does this program include in-season workouts, but also football-specific off-season workouts that prepare your athletes for the high demands of the season. This program focuses on increasing strength, power, and speed, all while reducing the risk of injury. Remember to head to teambuilder.com and sign up with code BGR8. That's teambuilder, T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com and sign up with code BGR8. Three. Today's guest is head coach Mick Fuller from Fresno, Fresno Christian High School in California. Coach has been coaching for 20 years, six of which are eight-man experience. Coach played eight-man football while he was in high school for Fresno Christian High School. Coach Fuller has led his teams to success as the head coach. They were league and section divisional champs in 2015, as well as last season in 2021, a year in which they went 12-0 and were the number one ranked team in California. Coach Fuller's defense was salty. Check out these stats. Lowest points allowed in a season, 60 points in their 12-game schedule, five shutouts, which were tied for most in program history, highest point differential in program history, 648 to 60, third highest scoring total in California for all schools and levels, and top 10 in interceptions with 21 picks. Those numbers are just staggering. I can't wait to dive into the how and the why with Coach Fuller. Please help me and welcome him to the podcast. Coach, thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure. This is fun. Um, yeah, so as I kind of read through those stats, and I was talking to some uh, some of my teacher colleagues today that are, you know, are interested in sports, that's 60 points in a season. That's insane, especially in eight-man football. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't wait to, to talk about that and get into your defense. Um, before we do that, though, um, something I like to do with all my coach, or all the coaches on here is talk about their coaching journey and coaches or mentors that meant something to them to help them get there where they are today. So, Coach, if you would walk us through your journey, please. I was a you know, marginally athletic kid and played some football in high school. And um, I, the, the football program was started when I was a, a student here back in the, in the middle 80s. And I got to play on, on the inaugural season and, and I played youth football up to that point. So I, I kind of understood what was going on, but I, I was average at, at best. You know, six foot, 155 pound linemen are, they, they are not going any farther. So that was me and I understood that, but I enjoyed the game. Uh, my head coach, Daryl Beal, uh, he let me be a JGA after I graduated from high school for a season and kind of that got the, the coaching bug in me. Uh, my dad had been a coach, uh, primarily a baseball coach for years and years and years. So I watched him do that. I watched him coach my younger brothers in baseball. I never played baseball because I can't see the ball when it's moving. So uh, that wasn't my thing, but I watched him and I saw what it what he did and how he interacted with the kids. And that kind of got something about that in me that was able to, to pick up and carry on. Um, so I finished high school, was a GA for a year, went away to college, came back to Fresno and I got, a, got on as the first year 
defensive coordinator. So I, I did that for one season back here in Fresno. They were kind of in a transition between eight man and 11 man. There had been some changes and the school had grown a bit. So we'd got, gone up to 11 man. It was, you know, we had, I think, 15 on the varsity that year. It was ugly, terrible. Um, trying to play 11 man football is, I don't recommend. So, um, and I, after that year, I got a job up in Oregon at St. Am Christian High School. And the head coach there was a guy named Wilbur Starr. And he was, he's amazing. I just, as a person who, well, the best thing to say about him, he's a godly man and a great example of consistency and integrity and how to relate to kids. And he kind of had a sort of a fatherly, grandfatherly approach to it. I mean, he was good at football, but it was the, the relationships and getting kids to, to do the right things that was his, his strength. And then I went off from there. We moved back down to uh, California because my wife wanted to go to law school. So I got a job at uh, Vacaville Christian High School, taught there for a little while, and then they started a program. And the guy that they brought in to be the head coach, a guy named Chris Smith, who'd been down in Southern California for several years, he is probably the most organized person I have ever seen, just everything. He was the AD slash head football coach, and he did a little PE instruction, but everything was organized beyond belief. So he taught me how to do things like practice planning and consistency and that kind of stuff. Um, so Chris Smith, you know, shout out to him. Wilbur Starr, shout out to him. They'll never hear this because they're not eight-man guys, but that's okay. Uh, the other guy that I owe my, you know, I have a, an, indebted to is a guy named Russ Counts. He's a local pastor here in town. He has kids that have gone through the school. He is actually my DC for a couple of years. Because when I, I first got the head coaching job, oh, back in, I don't know, the, like a 2012, 13, somewhere in there. And I was a HC for five years. He came on our first year of eight man in 2014 or 2013. And he'd been an eight man coach for a while. He was our defensive coordinator, but he was exceptional as you would expect a pastor to be at the relational aspect at just keeping his cool. I'm a little bit, you know, volatile, um, I got that from my dad, which I appreciate greatly, and I'm also glad that I have aged out of some of that, as my dad did over time, but uh, he was a great example, Russ was, of, of just being consistent, keeping your cool, not letting anything get you too far up or too far down. Yeah, I think I, I was just kind of jotting down some of the, the qualities you were talking about, and it always kept circling back to relational, you know, or relationships, mm -hmm. and um, one of the words I heard you say was consistency. And I think that's, I mean, no matter what you're doing, being consistent right. is important. And then yeah. um, just teaching, you said also, you know, and, and you had, um, you know, and you have that privilege of being, you know, through a Christian school, using faith as a, as a way to teach, um, you know, that public schools don't. And I think that's a, vibe, that's a great avenue, um, you know, for our young men. Um, so that's, that's a, I, that's awesome to hear that. And you've had some some great guys, which I'm sure you've taken something from everybody yeah. to help mold your coaching personality. Yeah. Um, so let's let's dive right into the, the okay. coaching. Let's get right into right. the defense. Um, you call it a blackjack, right? A two man mm -hmm. line. Just kind yeah. of explain to us uh, what that is. You, you know, just maybe your why behind it first, okay. and then we'll right. get into the yeah. nuts and bolts later. Okay, so we started off as a as a three three defense, and that was built on the the framework of a eleven man three three stack. And we just pull out those two outside inside linebackers. 
leave the alley defenders and pull out the middle safety. And then we ran it more or less the same way. And, you know, being able to play on the narrower field, it made that a little bit easier. What I didn't like about it was being vulnerable in the middle against teams that run a lot of crosses and, and, and throw the ball a lot. So after having seen Seth Bass's uh, two, three defense, I said, oh, I think I've got personnel to run that this year. So we started playing with it and I chose the kind of took it to the two, one model instead of the two, three model, just because, you know, it, it's kind of cool to say blackjack and the kids think you're gambling and it sounds fun, but uh, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's a two, three, we just kind of label it differently. And it allows us to put, put a kid at that outside linebacker position who is maybe more of a safety type guy than a, than a true you know, stand up inside linebacker type person. So we have two studs that play up front that take a lot of abuse. We have a, the mic in the middle and we expect him to run the show and to be the, the run fit guy from inside on every play. He's got to be there at the ball every time. And then everybody else just can be athletic and play around him. So I have a, a question here. I'm kind of writing down yeah. um, with mm -hmm. your two guys up front. What are like the body types or, you know, mindset kind of guys you're looking for out of those two positions? Okay. That kind of leads into the kind of the, our whole predatory approach. Um, so I okay. can maybe talk about that in a little bit. So starting up front, those two guys are, if you're thinking about the animal kingdom and I watched way too much, you know, mutual of Omaha's wild kingdom when I was a kid, which dates me, by the way, if you guys know <laughs> what that is, you know how old I am. Uh, but you, so you have the, the big bears up front and those are the guys that are, they're burly and they're gonna, they like to push people around. They just wanna get in and, and mash on people and take swipes at people and scavenge whatever they can find. I don't ask them to you know, be running all over the field, although the guys that we had this past year could do that. Uh, but those are, they wanna, beat up on people and push people around. Seth Bass likes to talk about occupying two or you know three or four offensive linemen with two guys. And that's what those boys do. Um, then behind them are the, your, your row of wolves. And they really have to be sort of like a wolf pack where they're, they're all communicating with each other. And communication is sometimes it's, it's verbal, but there's also kind of physical cues that they can give to each other. And they have to have a spatial sense and kind of just a intuitively know where each other on the field because I ask them to move as a unit just like a wolf pack does and they're chasing down the bison they've got to go and they've got to be in the right spot at the right time uh, to to make a stop and then the guys behind the, those three dbs sort of like the velociraptors those are they're just running all over the place they're looking to tear you up uh, they've got to be fast enough to get back and then mean enough to come up and, and make a play in a run. So that's kind of the, the framework of how that is. Absolutely. And as I was watching some of your film, you had sent, you know, some of those linebacker types, you know, I watched him take on a kick out block, um, you know, as, as an end guy, you know, he was able to wrong shoulder him, you know, and hold, hold ground there. So, um, yeah. you know, they're not, they're not scrawny guys by any means. No. You know, There's still yeah. guys that are put together. So yeah. um, as you, as you do that, you know, what, when your kids show up maybe as a, a freshman, right? You know, how do you help, you know, label that kid or, you know, get that kid to go, all right, I think you're, you know, going to be tough enough to play linebacker, you know, or, you know, how do you go about classifying your kid per position? Uh, well, you just, you start with the eye test first and okay, what do you physically fit into? 
And then from there, what, where is your mentality? Where is your, your aggressiveness? Where is your drive? And the higher you are on the drive scale, the more likely you are to be able to, to fit into multiple places. The kid that I had play in Mike linebacker for us this year, he started off as a you know, five, six, 210 pound offensive lineman as a freshman. And he wanted to play really bad. He had the drive. He just didn't have the physical tools. And then as a sophomore, that was COVID year. And, and he, he kind of fit into that Mike spot just because he was aggressive and he wasn't, he wasn't uh, going to back down from anybody. And then he lost oh, probably 35, 40 pounds between his beginning of his sophomore year and the beginning of his junior year. So he slimmed down to about 175, 185, somewhere in there. Still not real tall and not super fast, but he was able to work himself into that spot. Uh, so that's drive is huge. And I love having athletic guys, but if I've got a super athletic, fast kid that is not willing to go out and you know rip somebody's guts out, metaphorically speaking, like the Velociraptor, that kid can play receiver, but I don't want to trust him to come up and take somebody on on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, you want your kids, your eight most aggressive probably to be on there. You might might not have the fastest kid on your team out there, but if he's going to do his job and do it with some violence, you know, yeah, like yeah. you said, metaphorically speaking, you know, yeah. but um, in that way. So you'd, you had talked a little bit about, that kind of talks about what we were just talking about. You said you're a big believer in uh, temperament. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and so have you been able to change the temperament of kids, you know, that have been came in and they were more, I think I just want to catch the ball coach, you know, that kind of guy. And then they see what kind of fun you have on defense and they kind of, you know, they learn to pin their ears back or, you know, uh, kind of about that. Yeah. There's a, there's a little bit of that that happens, but like I said, I mean, I, in, if you talk about temperament from a psychological standpoint, like the big five personality inventory, that kind of thing, where you've got these you know, ranges of personality aspects. And so I, the kid that everybody is going to grow into football a little bit. The, the boy that starts off as the timid freshman, if he stays with it, he will develop the confidence in himself to be able to, to be a player by his senior year. He may not have the tools and he may never be the guy that really wants to go mix it up, but he can go and he can serve a purpose on the field. And so I've seen some of that, but in my years, the, the guys that are real defensive players, they're just, you're, what's the expression? You're born that way uh, to some degree. Uh, you just have to have to want to go out and, and do violence, like, like you said, a little bit. Now, my kids are the nicest kids off the field. And the, the boy that is the kind of our, was our league defensive lineman, offensive lineman, he was just lineman of the year, both, both sides of the ball just a sweet-hearted, kind, generous, compassionate kid, but you put him between the sidelines, between the whistles, and he just pushed anybody around and didn't, he didn't care who he was facing. The Mike guy, he was the same kind of per player. He has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because you know, being short and, uh, and not super fast, he wanted to make up for it, but those are the, the kids that you want to have. All right. So let's talk just a little bit about, um, you know, some basic scheme things, right? You yeah. um, Let's talk about um, a two by two spread team. 
right? So three linemen, one the quarterback right. empty, right? Two by two. Mm -hmm. How how is this? Uh, how's the blackjack lining up to the two or uh, to the two by two? Okay, so we will put our our outside linebackers are going to be the inside shade on that slot receiver. The corners will be off a little bit, probably you know head up to maybe a little inside shade. Safety is in the middle of the field, heels at 10, plus or minus. Now, the kid we had playing safety this year, he would cheat up a little bit just because he was he has enough punk in him to think he can go make every play from every position on the field. Uh, the outside, the, the D linemen, if this is a team that runs a lot of pass, we'll give them a little bit of extra leverage and just let the, them go get the quarterback. The Mike then has to play center field. He's got a spy quarterback. He's got to run sideline to sideline. And most of the time he did a pretty good job. He tended to, you know, sometimes he would bail to the big spot, you know, to the field side and let the quarterback leak out to the off, off side a little bit. But more often than not, he was where we needed him to be. And he's so still we'll like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, he'll he'll play over the quarterback. Okay. To start at the start of the play. And then we sometimes we would play man coverage, sometimes we'd play cover three, sometimes we would play half field. So you know, we get man up on one side and the opposite side will will zone up. Um, sometimes we would play a trap where our linebacker would line up over the number one receiver. Both guys on that side would be dropping, but the linebacker, he's looking for that outbreaking route from the number two, and we take that away the corner would then be able to carry the deeper route, whichever it was. And then we still have the safety in the, in the middle to come and make a play somewhere where we, where we needed it. I suppose your safety probably um, is more available for like running the alleys and stuff. You know, if that yes. quarterback breaks free, he's right. kind of a, uh, I mean, he, he's probably got to be one of your most athletic kids as far as uh, speed and covering ground. Right. Yes. I mean, yeah. Cause as, he, I'm just kind of doodling it on paper here. And that uh -huh. guy looks like he's, you know, he could be the big problem there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, can account for him, really. right. You, that, and that's one of the benefits of, of doing that is we had a kid this year that that's, that was his favorite thing. Like I said, he has a little bit of a punk in him and he thinks he can, can take every and make every play. And he did, he was the, he was voted our, our league's MVP because he played quarterback. He played receiver. He played safety. He, he was, you know, near the top on tackles for the whole league. It was, he was just a phenomenal athlete. He's going to go play soccer this in, in college. So, you know, that's what do you do? Right. And <laughs> you still got to be an athlete. I mean, anytime you're yes. going the next level to play anything, you're at, you're pretty exactly. athletic. Yeah. He's a, he is a very good athlete and a good kid. And just like I said, but he has that, that drive and that passion to, to go out and make something happen. All right. So that's, that's what you really need in, yeah, in that position. Absolutely. All right. So let's flip the script then. Um, mm -hmm. And, and one of the films you sent me, it was against a team that was an I double tight team. They had the white Jersey yeah. and the red helmet right, that right. you had sent yes. me. Um, their tailback was a load. He was a big fellow, oh, yeah. Yeah. but I'll tell you what, and, and yeah. I don't know what the dimensions on that guy were. I mean, he had to be 220 at minimum. I think he goes, I think Trayvon goes about 245 at least as, and he was a freshman by the way. Oh, wow. Well, you got your hands yeah. full then in your league there, mm -hmm. but you know what exactly. I was impressed about with your defense um, is that nobody really looked like they matched up with him physically yet when he got tackled uh, he either went down or backwards you know the majority of the time um, which I was pretty impressed with you know when you got a guy that's got a head of steam at 240 um, you know your guys were able to get him down not let him get his pads lower than them you know he would try to finish a run but your kids would finish the tackle 
Um, and we'll get to tackling here in, in a minute, but I, I, I wanted to make sure I pointed that out because I made a note yeah. while I was watching film today. Um, all right, so let's let's flip and go I double tight. How are you lining okay. up against I double tight? Well, we we more often than not, we're going to switch back to our our 30 front and we'll we we played it a number of different ways. We played it as a we brought those outside linebackers down on the edge and played them as a as a 50 front. Um, we toyed around with kind of making just staying in our in our base 20, but bringing changing up personnel a little bit and moving the uh, those outside linebackers would then become the the down lineman over the tight end so we just tried to stud across stud the tight ends stud the guards because they were started to do a lot of uh pin and pull kind of stuff okay and we wanted to be able to take that away or at least match up to that try to keep the mic clean as much as possible we weren't super successful at that but more often than not um but when we play that type of team, we're more likely to go back to our, our base 30 defense. And uh, we initially have been kind of a, like a lineup at a four technique, zero with the nose guard and fill B gaps. But with the pin and pull that you just get folded down by the tight end. And now there's a big lane. So we moved those, those, uh, the defensive tackles or defensive ends, whichever you want to call them, move them down into that um, like a three technique. So their job is to go blow up that guard. So he can't pull. You're off enough that you aren't, it's not so easy for the tight end to wash you down. Right. You're, you're back into the backfield. And as if the guard is pulling across the formation, that backside defensive end, he's right in this hip pocket chasing. And we got a few situations where we chased right to the ball and had a tackle for a loss just because we were chasing that puller. Um, but if on the front side, if they're just running pin and pull, we at least got in his face and got things slowed down. And our outside linebacker who's up on the line of scrimmage, he's just kind of crushing down and wrong arming and that sort of thing. So are you playing uh, man behind that then? Yeah, we will play actually, yeah, depends. That particular team, they would usually only run a, like a two receiver route combination. They'll either run the fullback out and the tight end on a corner, or they would run the run both tight ends off. So we're just looking at the tight end release. Where's he going? If it's if the backside tight end is staying, that backside safety is now free to come in. So he'll roll over the top. So our front side safety can kind of drift into the space. The backside safety is over the top. The outside linebacker to that side, if he sees the fullback going out, he follows him, takes that away. If not, he's just coming free to, right. to disrupt the throw. Right. And I, and I noticed you had a lot of times coming free. And you were talking about the linebacker uh, coming free. I think it was that same game. Um, I think he was there for the handoff, caused a fumble, and you guys were able to uh, get it. I think it was right before half, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. but that was, I mean, the kid was in there. I had to watch it three times. I thought it was a, I don't, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, all right. So we talk about the alignment with your guys, mm -hmm. right? That's part of it, right? That's the most important yeah. thing, getting right. your kids in the right spot. But now when they get to the ball, um, let's talk about tackling. Um, and like yeah. I said earlier, your kids, I was very impressed with their tackling, their physicality and tackling never backed down, you know, led with the right way. They finished on the, a kid on the sideline. You know, a lot of times you see a high school kid, you know, just kind of two hand shove, uh, to try and get the guy as out of bounds. Your, your guys, I mean, they were physical. They used their shoulder pads. They still tackled them. 
Um, so what kind of tackling do you do? Do you hawk tackle rugby? Are you an old school guy? Get your head across. Um, you know, how do you develop your tackling fundamentals, I guess? Yeah, well, we, we try to use the hawk tackling model as much as possible. Um, fit up eyes to thighs, near shoulder. I'm not getting the head across. I'm putting my head into that, that near hip, you know, slide off the near hip, wrap, either wrap and drive for five or wrap and roll, sort of like Hayden Delano talked about a few weeks ago. Yep. We do some, we do both of those things in practice to work on that. And so we do a tackling circuit where there'll be like a three hole angle tackle. The running back gets to pick which hole the guys have to just continue to move laterally. And then once the, the running backs committed, they have to fit up to him eyes to thighs, drive for five. We do a, an angle tackle on the rolling donut. That's kind of fun. The boys like to do that. It, it kind of saves us a little bit. We don't have quite as much contact in practice. We'll do a drill where we have to fit up to a tackle or to a, a cylinder, shed the blocker to which side, you know, so they, they see where the runner's going, right. shed the block, get to that. Again, eyes to thighs, fit up, drive for five. Um, the one drill that I put in this year that I hadn't done before was what we call our touchdown saver, where one kid is, he's holding one of the light cylinders. He takes off running the defender then has to chase down and make that, that touchdown saving diving tackle. And it actually paid off three or four times during the season where we had kids chase down the field and make that saving play. So that, are we talking more of like a open field, like this kid was on a long break breakout run and you're chasing him like as a backside receiver? Or are we talking like the ball was at the four, he bounced it, and now you're trying to keep him out of the end zone? Uh, more like the chase down from behind. There's He's out in the open field. Uh, okay. That kid, big, the big kid at Riverdale, Trayvon, he got one of those where our linebacker was out of position and he turned the corner. The guy's running down the sideline. He ran him down and and uh, and made the play and then so I think we tackled him on the eight yard line and then kept him out of the end zone for the whole the whole series and got the ball back on the three or four perfect so that that also leads into some pursuit angle stuff right that you mm -hmm. said you know we break you know you chase the kid all the way down obviously it helps to have speed there but also you have to take yeah. angles are there anything specific that you do you teach pursuit a lot and if you do go over pursuit how do you teach pursuit Okay, so we do a, some conditioning drills that are designed to be whole team tackling, whole team pursuit. Uh, four corners drill we have set up. So the guys start in the, in the middle of a 40 by 20 or 40 by 25 box. They're in their defensive alignments. We have uh, either we'll put guys, you know, receivers on the corners of that 40 by 25 box, or we'll just point. So we snap the ball, the whole team does an up down and then they've got to find where I'm pointing or where the ball's going. And then they on mass, they have to sprint, get into position. So all eight of them are re realigned in their you know, respective spot between the, the ball and the end zone. Okay. They, they're chopping their feet. I'm watching as soon as everybody's in position, they're chopping their feet. We blow the whistle. We, they sprint back They get back into position. We'll do three or four reps of that in a row. You know, maybe do all four corners or, and they've got to, so they have to see where the ball is going. They have to get to where the ball is going. Now to come back, reset, and then do it again three or four times. And so they're, they get used to everybody's got to run to the ball. Right. And that's the biggest thing. I just want, if, if you, even if you're in an out of position, 
I want you to run to the ball because you know as well as I do, something good can happen if you're given right. enough effort. Right. Well, a lot of times those fumbles yeah. are created by that D lineman coming down right. late or, you yeah. know, the trail, the trail guy. Um, mm -hmm. You had talked one thing too about a team tackling drill called the funnel drill. I think yeah. I learned about that from a California guy when we were an eight man, a four, two, five guy, like Rick Stewart or something out there. It was on a drill. probably. Yeah. Um, and we used to do it in pregame, but for those mm -hmm. that don't know it, why don't you walk through, uh, walk through what the funnel drill is. Okay. So it's a three on three drill and you set up your cones so that there's a, there's a narrow opening where the guy, the offensive team will enter the space and it gets wider and it's like, you know, it might be 10 or 15 or maybe even 20 yards deep. So five yards, four or five yards wide at the opening where the offense enters and then 15 yards downfield, it's opened way out to maybe 20 to 25 yards wide, depending on how you want to, how big you want to make it. And the, uh, the, so the offense starts kind of offset from that opening a little bit. So they've got to run and turn a corner together. The defense is aligned, stacked on top of each other, usually about you know, five yards between each one. And they also are stacked off of the, that opening. So they have to run laterally as well. So they, they're in their stances. Play starts. The offense is running, turning the corner. The defensive lineman's job is to get around the corner, make a collision, take out one or more of the blockers. The linebacker's job is to, to take a good angle, fit to where he sees open space. The defensive back, his job is to fit to where the ball carrier is at this point. And so we'll do that. And it, it is, um, it can be fun to watch. And it's also a little bit scary as a head coach. You, know, you don't do too many reps of it, but you do enough to kind of feed them and get them have that, that taste of blood in their mouth a little bit, but not so much that you are risk breaking them. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the, that's where football's come a long ways in 2021 and 22 now, as opposed to maybe when, when you played or whatever, you yeah. know, we'd run that for a half an hour as opposed to you get three reps. That's good guys. We were physical. Let's move on. You know? Right. Yeah. And so we, I generally will try to, and the kids do this themselves too. They will, they will group themselves. They'll try to get an offense or a defensive lineman, DB and linebacker in a group. And, you know, our big boys, our, our, our seniors, our juniors, the, the studs that, that are playing all the time, they understand that their job is not to kill the freshmen. So they will right. go against each other and the freshmen are doing the same thing. So, and, and every now and again, I'll see somebody wants to be a little bit mean and okay, yeah, you're, you know, that's, that's not right. Don't do that. Right. right. You starters are not picking on the 90 pound freshmen. We don't right. do that here. So, well, that's how, you, yeah, you lose kids going on your program doing that, you know, right. where they get exactly. smashed by the, the lineman of the year, you know, in your <laughs> exactly. league and the yeah. kids with a 90 pound DB. So, yes. Um, I mean, let's, you know, and you talked, we talked earlier about the, the mentality and you had shared a quote with me that your, the mentality on your defense is any yard gained is a personal insult and a TD is a mortal sin. Um, I yeah. love that. That's like borderline crazy, but I absolutely love that stuff. You know, so how right. do you, and, and you, you, we've taught, used the word temperament before. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's got to stem from you, right? Um, yeah. So you know, I, I can tell here in our conversation, you, you're an intense coach and, and I can tell that. And I love it. Um, but, how, you know, how do you get it from you then to your kids? You know, kind of that communication point there. Uh, it really it's it is temperament. It's my temperament. You know, if I'm the 
kind of guy. If there's a job to be done, we're going to do it a thousand percent. Um, you know, everything, I'm a little bit of a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. Uh, and I just, I'm very, very focused that way. Uh, so I talk to the kids about that. So that's, I say too many yards, too many yards. We don't, we don't give up yards like that. We're not going to give up touchdowns. So a lot of it is just communicating. What do we want to do? Who do we want to be known for? We want to be known as the team that, that will make you not want to be on the field defensively. And now in eight man football, is it common to give up 60 points in the season? No. I was very pleased that we could do that at the beginning of the season. I don't know that I expected it. I, I hoped. Um, I, I, I love to see a defensive battle. My favorite coaches and my favorite teams have always had the strong defense. Uh, so it's just, I just talk about, we're going to be the best defensive team we can be. My offensive coordinator, he played for me several years ago and he's a, you know, little receiver type guy. So he wants to throw the ball around and, and, and focus on that. But he knows that when we're deciding who's going to be a starter, where our, our dudes are on the defensive side of the ball and they can play offense as well. Right. Um, I, one of the things I do at the beginning, usually you know, a week or two into the season is, and I think I mentioned this in the notes that I will uh, break out the old Conan, the barbarian quote. So I'll oh, that's see, right. the scene you've seen probably where, the, the guy asks Conan, what is good? And he says, to crush your enemies, to see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of their women. So I, the kids will laugh at that. And, but it, it, it gets the point across that we are going to be warriors, and we're not going to let the other team score. And that's, again, personality, temperament, priorities. I mean, you, you can win a game if the other team doesn't score even if you have a bad offense. Right, right. Um, and something that I can't remember, I just read about it. Um, you, you say you use a lot of clean, but evocative language. Um, yeah. I just keep thinking of like Bobby Bowden and Gummit and those kind of things there. <laughs> um, can you give us maybe an yeah. example of some clean, but evocative <laughs> language? Uh, well, yeah. So, I mean, there, aside from the, the Conan quote, and obviously I'm not recommending the go, the boys go watch Conan, the barbarian. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, that's not, that's, that's not what we do, but, um, so I'll see, you know, say, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go knock these guys in the teeth. That's kind of the last thing I say in our team huddle before we hit the field on a game day, you know, go knock these guys in the teeth or, um, doom and carnage. That's the, those are our watchwords for the week. We're going to make them feel doom and carnage. One year I had to explain what is carnage. The boy said, "What does that word mean?" Yeah, so, yeah. So I got to got to explain that, and that was kind of fun. Um. So that's I, you kind of just hit right there that maybe you have yeah. like a different quote or something every week. Let's talk about your game plan um, yeah. as a defensive guy there for every week. Um. Obviously, you know, I you sent me I think four films or three or four yeah. films. And each offense ran something different, um, you know, so how do you, I mean, is this a, we do what we do, right. Um, you kind of thing, or do you mold a little bit different compared to what you see? Or do you say, listen, these guys run off tackle power and they run, I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever play action off of that. We got to take those two things away. We're going to be great. You know, how do you attack on, you know, Saturday, Sunday, your game plan going into the next week? 
uh, I love to play a team that has 47 formations and one or two things out of each of those formations. Right. Uh, because I can say to the kids, you're going to see this formation and you're going to see these things. This is, these are our fits. This is how you're going to react, what you're going to expect to do when you see this. And that has been very, so we're preparing, okay, this team does this. This is who we are. These are our basic assignments. This is how we're going to fit those assignments into this week. And so this, the assignments are consistent. We just have to tweak either our starting alignment or our angle to get them to where we want them to be. And if it's a team that does, you know, they've got one formation and they do 14 things out of that one formation and I don't have enough uh, game film to know, okay, what their down and distance tendencies are, that's when I'm worried because I don't know when that killer play is coming. And we can show it and we can practice it and rep it, but you can't really rep, you know, right. 14 good plays, on, right. you know, on, on your defense day. So we, I, do, I set the defense up as kind of a plug and play. I make very few, if any, calls during the course of the, of the defensive part of the game because we did our prep work ahead of time. And the kids are good, particularly this group that we've had. They're good at watching film. They're good at listening when I'm talking and we're doing our film time together. So they're ready to go and they just, they go out and do it. Um, so would you say that you yeah. have more rules than like adjustments? You know, like a lot of maybe if thens for your guys, you know, so listen, they're going to be in a two by one set. Like if your guy does this, then this, right. Or, you know, kind of base rules at the beginning of the season. And then that's kind of your plug and play as you move forward. Yeah, that, that's kind of, that's kind of it. So we, okay. these are our rules. This is what you do. And here's how we have to adjust that. Not the, not adjust the rule, but maybe adjust your angle or just adjust your expectations. Okay. To get you where we want you to be. Okay. In the course of the game, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so um, you, you kind of shared with that, you maybe caught a little uh, flack for some of your unbalanced scores, um, you know, and you said, you know, some teams aren't maybe as competitive as you would hope. And, and I think yeah. we all have, we all face that as yeah. coaches, right? Um, yeah. You know, and that kind of changes your offensive plan sometimes, but you said defensively, and I love this quote, there's no rule that says you have to allow the other team to score. Um, you know, and I, I love that, that quote, because I think that a lot of times, you know, when you get up big or down big, you know, either way, the mentality changes than it did with opening kick. Um, but, you know, but if your kids can stay dialed in on defense and obviously they did all year, right. With some of those yeah. big scores. Um, and, I, and I think that's just a credit to you and your program that, um, they, they were dialed in. I'm sure you, you brought in your, your second group and your third group at some point, and they carried on the mentality. Um, you know, and I remember one of my assistant coaches, he was on a team we played and they went, I, I can't remember, like probably six or seven game shutout streak in, in 11 man. And they ended up winning state that year. Um, you know, and they were beating our tails. I think it was like 48, nothing in the first quarter, but they kept their dudes in on defense, mm -hmm. right? Because they wanted mm -hmm. that shutout streak. And, you know, as a coach, you're kind of upset at the time. And then you're like, okay, I get that. Right. And those kids took pride in it. And I'm, and I'm sure that's the same way with you guys. Your kids just absolutely took pride in the, that, yeah. what was it? what did you say? Five shutouts. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's, that's awesome. So um, 
Real quick defensively, right? So yeah. my, we've been talking a little bit on our staff. Um, you know, a punt return is, is an extension of the defense. Do you, how do you approach a punt return? Do you approach it with the same fury as defense or is it just make sure they don't fake it? Let's get it back as, as easy as possible. Um, I'm going to kind of take it a different direction, probably more okay. like the fury, the, that fourth down, that's an opportunity. Let's go get the ball. So I'm going to put seven guys up there and you're going to block them or you're not. And even if you do block them, that kid back there is looking at seven guys wanting to drive him into the dirt. Right. So where's the ball more likely to go? It gets shanked off. So I'm either getting a good position on the field from a shank or I get a block. And we had several punt blocks this year. We had several punt blocks for touchdowns, actually, because we're just going at them so hard. And we do that. You know, you, you do that until you're up 35, 45 points. And then, okay, now we're just going to stand there, let them punt the ball, and we'll get the ball where we get it. Um, and we had – so that, that actually was part of the game plan is, okay. Do you guys done, have a mercy done, rule in California? We, we do have a mercy rule. 35-point uh, differential in the fourth quarter is the automatic running clock or any time in the – basically any time in the game where both coaches agree. Okay. And we ended up, uh, we had, we had running clock in every game, including the yeah, that's championship impressive. game. Wow. That's impressive. Uh, yeah. Here in Iowa, we, it'll be, um, it's automatic. Like 35 point is even in the first quarter, it can be running clock and that clock can move real quick sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but all right, let's talk just a little bit. Um, I had coach Forte on a while ago. Um, mm -hmm. we, we talked a little bit about California football and it was wild to a guy from Iowa, yeah. all the yeah. rules and different things, um, going out there, but, um, you know, kind of talk a little bit about where you are, what part of California are you located in? Okay. Fresno is just a teeny bit South of the geographic center of the state. It's in the big San Joaquin Valley where half of the food of the world comes from when we're allowed to grow it. And, you know, the state governor, governor is not taking our water. Uh, but it's a it's an agricultural area. So the our state is broken up into there, I think 13 sections altogether, but eight of those sections are big. Two of them are are just municipalities, the city of Oakland, the city of San Francisco, and then LA County has its own as well. But these we in our section, it stretches from the coast all the way across the state the full state width um, and there's 130 schools that play football only 12 of those 13 of those in our section are playing eight man okay. southern section south of us is also is equally large geographically but there's i think i don't know xavier can answer the question there's huge number of of schools down there maybe a thousand schools oh geez uh, it's it's well i'm exaggerating it, i think there's 1600 schools in the state that play football a good chunk of them are in in that section. So there's lots of teams in where we are. Fresno is a metropolitan area. There's a bunch of big schools around us are all these little ag towns, but all of those ag towns have a school that's maybe you know between 650 and 1200 students in their high school in the high school. Yeah, so they they when we you guys in the Midwest you have your little your little ag town yeah and there's two hundred so yeah. well here in Iowa you can't play eight man 
if you have over 120 kids, nine through 11. Yeah. We're not supposed to, I guess there are towns that do, but anyway, that's a whole <laughs> other conversation. Anyway. Um, exactly. Uh, so I see here um, on the notes you shared with me. So most of the teams that you play have big rosters, right? 45 ish, 40 or more. Oh no, no, those, those are not oh. the teams we play. Those are the teams in our section, even the small towns. Oh, okay. Okay. So like, you know, Fireball down the road from us, they, I think they have, 700 in their school so they they get a, a roster freshmen or seniors it might be 60 kids out there okay we okay. can't do that because we just don't have the numbers which is why we're playing playing eight-man football so it, it, to, if i can remember right yeah. eight-man is in california is based on participation not necessarily the size of your school is that right pretty much yeah wrong? that that's that's fairly accurate um okay. like there's a school there's in our section that is in our league they they're a performing arts magnet so you get a lot of you know band choir kids mm -hmm. and maybe 25 to 30 athletes so those boys are on the football field you know on the football team but they just realistically can't field a 11-man roster even though they're six you know 500 in the school okay so it's that kind of a situation so okay. it is it is mostly how do you have enough kids to play 11 man or eight man? Okay. How it is. Um, and so I, I, I had asked you a little bit about how you recruit the halls, you know, and you shared with us that you are a co-op, right? With three others, yes. three other schools. Yeah. Uh, you yes, we have, we have three, three little tiny Christian schools that are called private school satellite programs. I don't want to go into all the details of that. Okay. They might have, you know, they might have three high school students on their, in their enrollment or or three to five to six so okay. we bring them in and they can play with us okay um and so do you include and but you're like the host school yeah so we're the host school. okay um and so um you get uh like you don't have to bring coaches in or anything from those communities that i mean that's just kind of your program and those kids kind of come and play exactly okay um so you, you talk a little bit about your your style of athlete or your kid at your, at your school. You know, are you guys um, we talked to Coach Bishop here coming up and he's I think he shared with us that like the average ACT of his players is like a 32 or something. You know, I mean, it's it's high. So is that is that kind of what you're looking at? You have very high academic standards at your school. Um, you know, can you share that share that with us? Yeah, we 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 do well academically. We. We have kids go into four-year colleges all the time. Our our SAT scores and our AP scores are at the top of our of our metropolitan area. You know, we're we're either you know one, two, or three in those things pretty much year in and year out. Yep. Even though the schools that were you know the school down the road from us, about a three quarters of a mile away, I think they have close to three thousand students. Now they they will play. You know, they're division one in, in everything and they have good AP programs, but our kids measure up academically, academically to them. But then we also have kids that are on IPs and that are getting academic services as well. So it's a range. Right. The biggest thing at our school is that we want the kids to be involved is in as many activities as possible. So kid is in drama, he's playing football, he's in the choir and all those people who are running those programs then have to get along so that right. we can share the kid and he can have that that experience that well-rounded experience that we want him to have 
do are you do is your team filled with a lot of multi-sport athletes yes i think uh probably well, i would say 65 70 percent multi-sport there we have a fair number of kids in our school that are single sport athletes in either soccer or basketball or baseball and they've drunk the kool-aid they've taken that false gospel that that's how they get go on to be right college athletes but um I, I can't do anything about that right um and just kind of talking about your kids you know it sounds I, like i said i watched some of your film you've got some dudes you know your kids are involved in everything you know well-rounded kids you talked about the temperament of something um when we were trying to schedule an interview you you said well that day i've got barbell club uh right. talk to me a little bit about what barbell club is okay so a few years ago I started, I do my weightlifting after school, but if it's not during the football season, so I do my own training and then kids wanted to come and lift. And so we, I let them come and it just kind of grew from there so that on certain days of the week, the weights are open until X time and you're welcome to come. And so I've had as many as 10. And right now I've got six boys, the, uh, five boys because one of them's playing junior high tennis now five boys that have been coming very consistently from three o'clock to four o'clock and they just come out they know the program they get going on it i'm doing my lifts there i'm kind of coaching them and 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 watching them and make sure they're not breaking themselves or breaking each other or being stupid and it's just it's a way to to get them under a bar learn how to do it and there I've had also situations where we've had some of our athletes that just couldn't be in the the strength and conditioning PE classes. So they will come and do their workouts after school as well. Um, and so I kind of had asked you in our questions, you know, what kind of uh, lifting you do, you know, BFS, progressive overload, and you shared something called starting strength. Um, can you talk a little yeah. bit about that? I, I haven't heard of that. Okay, so there's this, this guy in Texas, his name's Mark Ripito. He's kind of a, a crotchety, grumpy old guy, but he's developed a, a, a set of movement models for the, the, the four, uh, the five main lifts, so squat, bench, overhead press, deadlift, power clean. And the movement models are kind of, they're, they're designed for, well, he's an engineering type. So he's looking at biomechanics and just, okay, this is how you're going to be able to move as much weight as possible in a you know, safe manner. So I like the movement models and they, that program is real strict about starting people on a basic linear progression. And you do three sets of five and you're adding a little bit of weight each week or each time you're training. And that, that, that model works very well for kids that are learning how to lift it, Right. Works very well for beginners up until the point where you can't get that low hanging fruit anymore. And then you have to then start tweaking your volume, your intensity and playing around with those right. numbers a little bit. But the goal is to continue to make progress. And, um, you know, there's there's all sorts of arguments regarding specificity and the specificity of a movement and being strong in this, but not being able to do that. Basically, if you develop that foundation of muscular strength and then you practice whatever the movements are that you're doing for your sport it will eventually translate and you can get the get the benefit out of it it is very simple i don't have to do a lot of uh, messing around with oh you know this i have to add 
our Bulgarian split squats at this point. It's just when, when the kid is ready to do it. I'm not, I got a you know, 95 pound freshman. Actually, I think he's 103 pounds now. Um, and he went from squatting the bar to, I think he did a set of five at 155, 165 the other day. Um, you know, now he can do Bulgarian split squats, but right. he wouldn't have been able to do that before. Now he's got the foundation to do that. Right. So it sounds like uh, the Mark Ripito, he's kind of in the same line as uh, Dan John. He's kind of like an easy strength guy. Do these four lifts, you know, the hinge, the bench press, you know, that. And I mean, he's he does the same thing. Two sets of five. His, his big thing is always leave the kid with enough gas in the gas tank to walk out, um, you know, because a lot of times it's, you know, let's make it really hard. If you're not sore, that wasn't a good workout. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, and I'm guilty really of that. And, and yeah. I haven't been around the game that long, but. I still I think I do that even when I work out myself is I look at it. Well, I wasn't sore. I, I got to add weight. Well, that doesn't make it a good workout, uh, you know. Right. Um, but uh, let's talk about a little bit about free lift Fridays. Uh, are mm-hmm. kids wearing uh, cutoff shirts and bandanas on free lift Fridays? Or what's that look like for you guys? Talk about that. I like that idea. Okay. It's no, it just they. Because I have to work around competition schedules all year long. Um, you know, basketball, soccer season in the winter, they, they might have two, sometimes three games a week. So I, I don't want their coach to come yell at me because the kids are, are wiped on game day. So right. we, we have to adjust what is our, what is our competition schedule? What, what can I have them do? Free lift Friday is just one of those things that um, we, I try to get them under a heavy bar or over a heavy bar at least once, if not twice a week. and then. If they've got game on Friday, you know, go go do your bench press, go do your curls. Yes, you're a basketball player, but you can still do that. It's not going right. to ruin your shot. It right. just won't. Although, if, but if you go and if you do a heavy set of you know squat, yeah, that is going to take some some of your legs away from you. So I, and so it ends up being more often than not the kids will do something that you know fun, what they think right. is fun, but they're still doing something during that time. They're not wasting the time. Perfect. I like that. I like that. Um, so what is the main thing for Fres- Fresno Christian football, right? Is the main thing, you know, either what you want people to know about your program or when you talk to the kids, um, you know, day one, guys, this is the main thing I want you to take away from the program. And then how do you keep that thing, the main thing as you move forward and t- through the season? For me, the most important aspect of, of life is, is faith. There's a, a, um, section in uh, the book of St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, where he's talking about how we live. And he says, whatever task, work heartily as serving the Lord and not men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And I tell the kids over and over again, everything that you do is about that. You know, your homework, the way that you go to your job, if you've got a job after school, what we do on the practice field, what you're going to do 25 years from now as a parent. It's all about that. And so if I can just continue to, to share that and to model it for myself in, in my own consistency, in my own relationships with the kids, how I talk to them, and I screw up. And there are days when I, you know, I, don't, want to, I don't want to give my best, but I have that in the back of my mind 
Right. And hopefully the kids take that. So, and that, that is part of what we do on the, on the football field. Let's play our best defense because that's a, that is an expression of our faith. That's an expression of worship just as much as maybe going and singing at church on, on Wednesday night. It's all about that. So Absolutely. That's, that's the big thing. Yeah. And then um, you had said something, you start uh, practice every day with a quick meeting. Um, and you, you share something from Father Thomas Hopko's 55 Maxims. Um, yes. I'm not, I'm okay. not familiar with that. That's uh, not very many people are. You kind of have to be in the Orthodox world to know what that, that is. Okay. It's just a list of 55 things. This is what life is about. So there might be, like I've got a, up on the wall over here. And uh, number 22 is exercise regularly. So I'll you know, say, okay, that's, that's it. But another one might be, um, be simple, still, quiet, and small. What does that mean? It means don't draw attention to yourself unnecessarily. You're not, you're not putting on a show. You're doing what you need to do. And so I'll, we'll just talk about that. I'll flesh it out a little bit. And it's all within the context of faith and, and the school priorities and just trying to help the kids become men of faith. And I think that's probably your number one goal. You win football games yeah. along the way. That's goal two. Yeah. But number right. one is to help them become those kind of men. So, yes. Coach, I, I've, I really appreciate this conversation. I think it's been great. I've got a page and a half of notes here. Um, how can coaches get a hold of you to continue the conversation if they'd like? Uh, they can email me and you can put the, the email address in there. Uh, I'm not on Twitter. I did that for about five minutes a few years ago, and it was not good for my temperament. Um, I am on Instagram a little bit. I've got a, a little thing for the for the kids and you know football, and then there's one for the the weightlifting. And I will post information about you know maybe a kid doing a lift or something from a game, a picture from a game. But I'm not I'm not really into that. So the best thing is either my email or um, I love the Telegram app with these coaches. This is this is cool. I probably spend way too much time and say way too much on that. And I'm sure the guys are sick of my stupid remarks. No, I think, I, I think it's appreciated. And, and every guy that I've talked to that's on the, you know, we talk about how it's basically a clinic every day. Yes. And I, I think I was looking, scrolling through the other day and I think it's like 170 some coaches, um, right. you know, and so somebody's always got an answer for you. And I appreciate, um, you know, what you add to that and, and what this conversation has been. I, I really do. I, this has been a good one for me. Um, you know, kind of a reminder on why we really do coach in, in some of those things. So, um, coach, I appreciate it. I will put your email in the show notes on the episode. Um, and, and that we're going to kind of wrap it up. So thank you very much, coach, for taking yeah. the time to be with us today. Um, and I look forward to, to hearing from you again. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. All right. Take care. That's it for our show today. Hopefully you got at least 1% better from listening to today's episode. Please share the podcast and review if you enjoyed and learned today. You can follow us on Twitter at BeGreatFCP. That's B-E-G-R, the number eight, FCP. Or send us an email at BeGreatFCP at gmail.com. That's B-E-G-R, the number eight, FCP at gmail.com. Remember to keep the main thing the main thing and to be great.